Well, hello and welcome to what I'm reading this week with me, uh, Tim Goodall, as I talk just for a few moments about some of the things I've been reading this week with you. And uh, today I want to talk to you about two books, uh, two books I've read this past week and actually finished this past week um, that I've uh, found fascinating and enjoyable uh, and sometimes difficult, actually. Um, The first is by Laura Dodsworth and called A State of Fear. Laura Dodsworth is a journalist and uh, A State of Fear is a fascinating book, um, quite a difficult book actually, written in 2021 um, or written through really actually the the COVID um, pandemic and the lockdowns in the UK across sort of 2020, 2021, released in 2021. And she is... Uh, writing about the way in which the United Kingdom government, the state, used fear in order to um, ensure compliance with all of the COVID, various COVID regulations and lockdowns and rules and guidance and all of that. Um, it was, it's quite a difficult read, actually, in, in, because uh, you're re- I found myself reliving uh, some really quite... Um, challenging times and uh, going back in my memory to experiences that were difficult through that uh, covid year or two or two three um and she says at one point that actually our temptation as humans is of course when we get out of um, intense difficult dangerous situations uh, tragedies trauma is to um forget about them or in some way or other to try and ignore them but uh, this, so, so in that sense, I've done that, and this book's been difficult because it's taken me right back there. But it's, I think it's a really important book, actually. She is very clear with her own position on things like lockdown. She um, doesn't believe lockdowns work. But this book isn't about that. It's about the what she feels and she believes is the in, she thinks is the inappropriate use of fear in order to control uh, the the uh, population of the UK. And in that sense, I think she's uh, absolutely right. The fear-mongering that went on uh, in Boris Johnson's government, whether that was purposeful or not, and she holds that open. She doesn't necessarily believe that um, the government were doing all this on purpose. Uh, They could well have been doing it because of their incompetence, or simply because they were fearful as well. And there is a, a, a right recognition that um, there was a lot of unknowns, but not complete unknowns. Laura Dodsworth makes the point and talks to a number of different people, particularly Lucy Easthope, who writ- has written an excellent book about uh, disaster management and disaster response called um, When the Dust Settles. I recommend reading that. Uh, that that uh, pandemic uh, epidemic preparedness well, is, is something that the government had done. There were ways in which you could, they should have responded. Uh, but when the the epidemic and the pandemic then hit, they just um, got rid of all those plans. They threw them out completely. Uh, that there was something going on that was so bizarre that they threw out all the planning and just went with fear. So it's well worth. It is well worth the read. It is a difficult read. It has taken me some time really to read it. I usually read very quickly, but this has taken me a bit of time to read. And just a couple of quotes to share with you. Um, 
the she she talked to a lot of people some of them are named but she also talked to a lot of people who wanted to remain anonymous because actually they felt that they were un that if they if they were open with who they were if they shared their names that their jobs would actually be uh, under threat as one is an anonymous scientific advisor and this is one of the, the quotes from her book on page 65 an anonymous scientific advisor said that there had been conversations about the use of fear it was felt that the fear of death could be leveraged to make people follow the rules while this source was partly party to confidential conversations the idea that the government should be should be weaponizing fear is in fact a, is a fact we know that the idea was officially put forward and minuted as part of the SPIB recommendations. The SPIB, as she explains in the book, are one of the uh, one of the the advisory groups that, that feed into the government uh, and fed in quite powerful uh, had a, a fair bit of power in their feeding into the government. So fear is a is a uh, is a tactic that was used, uh, which she claims, and I think she's made a pretty good case for this. Uh, to be proved was part of government policy basically even if it wasn't um honestly in, informed they didn't honestly inform the public about it so that's frightening in of itself to some extent that, that there was this discussion about levering the fear of death over people now of course the problem with that is uh is that uh, how far does it go and that that's another point of her book how far does this go how far are we as the public indebted to the government to save us from death, which they can never do. Everyone will die. The only person who can save us from death is Jesus Christ. And even then, he saves us from death by raising us from the dead like he has been risen from the dead. Actually, as Christians, we have a far uh, far deeper hope, far more secure standing when it comes to death because we know the Saviour who himself has defeated death. And so we do not need to be actually motivated or moved or nudged or fearful in any way of death um, or the fear of death so it, we need to be careful about uh, that and she also a little bit later on in the book she quotes um, Patrick Fagan who's a psychologist and he says this which I found fascinating we need a discussion on uh, discussion about the level of emotional bombardment from all sources apps, social media, television government, government messaging we're being blown about by our own passions. There's a perception that modern technology has made us more rational, when the truth is probably the inverse. Research has shown that smartphones, social media, and the internet more broadly tend to produce a shallower style of thinking. That is, more emotional, more impulsive, and more stereotyped. This is all to say nothing of the well-established effect of news content on poor mental well-being. Being bombarded with emotional and impulsive content and notifications on a continual basis likely makes us more susceptible to mass hysteria than ever. So what she, what what Patrick Fagan is saying there really is is that is what we is what we know, don't we? We we call it doom scrolling now, don't we? You or if you remember back to the daily briefings and the death, uh, how many cases, how many deaths in the COVID period, all of that is actually terrible for for humans. It it ends up being we end up being impulsive. Uh, we end up making decisions impulsively, more emotionally, um, and uh, are less able to get distance to give some deep thought to how we should respond. All of this, uh, Laura Dodsworth makes the case that was played on deliberately in order to get us to conform to COVID regulations that weren't even law. Some of them were laws, but a lot of the regulations 
were simply gu- and guidance were were just that guidance. It is a hard book. It's well worth reading. And in fact, as the uh, the inquiry gets going now, the sad thing about the inquiry is that uh, the inquiry is focused on the incompetence incompetencies of government in its handling of the pandemic uh, from a perspective that lockdown should have been done sooner and harder, which is really sad because it doesn't take into account the costs of actually locking down. It might do later on, but so far that doesn't seem to be the case. So actually it's going to miss the point completely. The point, Part of the point of an inquiry is to understand how and why the government did what it did, what motivations it had, what were its aims and goals. And fear being used as uh, as a weapon in order to get people to comply, it needs to be part of that inquiry. Uh, it, it needs to recognise the role of, of nudging people in a certain direction so they behave the way the government wants them to behave without even realising they're doing it. Anyway, that's enough of that uh, of that one. It was it was. It, I do recommend it, reading it. Not everything I agreed with, uh, and it's a difficult read, but I think it's a really important one. So do find that Laura Dodsworth, A State of Fear. The other book I just want to talk about is uh, a novel, a novel by Maggie O'Farrell called This Must Be the Place. Absolutely excellent novel. I think Maggie O'Farrell is writing some some really wonderful novels. I think she's one of the uh, one of the best contemporary writers uh, authors around at the moment. Um, She's Irish, and uh, she's start. She's she's been really lauded for her novels in recent years, particularly Hamnet, and she's got a new one out. Uh, I think it, this year it came out, but uh, this one's a bit older. This must be the place. It's a very moving and sad portrait of family life, and a really broken family life. One of the main characters uh, ends up, ends ends the novel in a relatively it ends relatively happily, but of course he's. The main character, one of the main characters, has uh, two broken marriages by that point, and children uh, from those two broken marriages, as well as the experience of um, an abortion that uh, his partner went through when he was in university. And so, in a sense, this main character demonstrates the the end point of western individualism and sexual freedom so they call it but which is in fact infidelity and in fact his sexual infidelity costs him deeply throughout his life and he still doesn't the novel doesn't ever ever suggest that this main character understands he's called daniel this main character daniel understands that what he has done is down to his own infidelity and pride so in that sense, it's a sad story, uh, but it's quite a, a moving story as well in, 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 in the capacity of uh, mainly the women in the story to cope with being um, being hurt and harmed by Daniel, but also the capacity for them to love him on uh, any way and to uh, forgive and, and act with grace now none of, none of none of these people are in any way christians there's, there's not there's, that's not the message of the story there's no sense of um no sense of uh, christianity or ethical behaviors that might align with uh with the bible or with what jesus teaches and that the kingdom of god but there is evidence of grace in that context, and that's really interesting too. In one way, it's a tragic picture of a postmodern individualism where a man is basically a big child 
in matters of deep relational importance. In another way, you see the women of the novel um, really, uh, through suffering actually, growing and maturing and being able to love and care, particularly for their children, but also for the other men in their life. So it's a fascinating um, comment on uh, on Western individualistic, um, quite narcissistic, prou- proud... Uh, culture, particularly around men who end up damaging women and children through this cultural lens of freedom, I use inverted commas, freedom, that actually ends up being um, a trap and enslaving both the men and harming women and children. There is a very disturbing scene around abortion, uh, and that in itself is a fascinating discussion where both Daniel and his partner at the time uh, are unable to talk to each other about what they truly want, which is to keep the child, both of them. Uh, and it's Maggie Farrell manages to weave that scene really movingly and, and quite disturbingly in uh, in the the woman, Daniel's partner, saying to the health professionals that she thinks she's changed her mind right at the last minute, and the health professionals are absolutely ignoring her and going ahead and performing the abortion anyway. And that speaks uh, volumes to the culture of abortion in our country which is sad uh, tragic and desperate where the presumption is that uh, abortion is always the right thing to do uh, abortion is, is labelled something that is different to what it is it is murder, murdering children and uh, women are not listened to or helped in that context the men are the ones who tend to be heard and their will and their way forced upon women, sadly. So it, it, I, I realise I've talked a lot about um, Maggie Farrell's This Must Be The Place uh, in a negative sense. In a way that I really enjoyed her writing is excellent and I enjoyed the uh, the ebb and the flow of the story and the way she tells it where she jumps about through different um, uh, different years, different points uh, and you capture the story through different angles and different characters and she is an excellent uh, author she has a wonderful way with words and it is a fascinating and moving picture of family life in the 21st century um, so those are my two books Margaret Farrell's This Must Be The Place and Laura Dodsworth uh, State of Fear Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast and hope to see you next time.